but also with many others who are live streaming with us this morning. And let's just take a moment to greet one another. Now, we can do that here in the room with one another, but if you're at home, you might be by yourself. Just say, good morning, God, again. I hope you've already said it this morning. Uh, and you are not alone at home, even if you feel as if you are. So let's just take a moment. You in the front, you got to turn around and wave at everybody. Throw them an air hug. And as we come back together, let me just remind us of two things that one is in the steeple on the front page of the steeple, which you should have received as an email. But if not, then I encourage you to go to our website and find it there. But uh, this year, uh, the uh, Caldwell Pregnancy Care Center is having its walk for life. It cannot this year have it as it usually does as a real event. So the folks who are supporting that, and in our congregation, the lead is Andrea Kane, are get gaining support from folks within their congregations and the community at large. Uh, and so there's information there on how you can support Andrea for that. Perhaps you'd want to support her and actually just take a walk with your family uh, on that day. But great information. We sent out an email this week about a cool T-shirt that Andrea has designed uh, to go with the walk or just at any point. And if you want to buy that, uh, a portion of the sale of that goes to support CPCC, which is one of our ministry partners in town and one we are particularly thankful for, particularly at this juncture in history. The other is the session has called for a week of prayer, September 20th through 26th. And I'm really excited about this. I'm excited that the idea for this came from one of elders and um, the session was immediately on board. Of course, who doesn't want more prayer? But I just think the Spirit is already blessing us. And so right now, even before you get more details about it, just be in prayer for that week that we as a congregation and many other Christians will be in focused prayer on the world, the U.S., our community, our state, our 
congregation. And we'll end the week, Friday through Saturday, with a 24-hour prayer vigil. It's been several years since we've done one of these. And so you'll be able to participate in it live in here or perhaps up in the memorial garden praying for a a time or virtually praying from your house uh, if that's what you prefer to do more details coming and i'm excited about that let us now stand again and affirm what we believe using the words of the apostles creed which if you don't know those will be on the screen i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in jesus christ who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated and let us continue to worship God as we remember our cornerstone, our Lord Jesus Christ. Brian Clark is sick this morning, but Jay Ford has stepped up nobly to fill his shoes. Jesus is the cornerstone, came for sinners to atone, the rejected by his own, he became the cornerstone, Jesus is the When I am by sin oppressed, on the stone I am at rest. When the seeds of truth are sown, he remains the cornerstone. Jesus is the
footsteps cease to roam. Heaven land is truthly known. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the spoke there not to fill Brian's shoes none of us can ever do that but to fill your own and thank you and Nora thank you for your gifts that you have been bringing to lead us in worship and I don't know about you all but I look forward to that day when we're all going to be able to sing in here and sing praise to God and that day is coming we'll see that uh, clearly enough when it comes this morning our task is to praise the Lord as we should do in every moment of life but especially when we're gathered in worship. And so as we pray, let's praise God. And uh, I'll certainly leave plenty of space for you to either aloud or silently to bring the names of those who you know need intercession, need to uh, be brought before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we give you our thanks this day and we praise you, Lord. We love you so dearly. We love you because you have first loved us. You reached out in your sovereign grace and poured your mercy into our lives that we might know you, Lord. The world sings your praise and all around we see your evidences, but Lord, you have made our relationship real, tangible, and visible in ways we never could have imagined, ways that go beyond the sight, power of our eyes. And we see you with our hearts. Just as we see the love of our parents for us, as we see the love of our siblings, Lord, we thank you that you love us dearly. Lord God, we are your children, and now we bow before you and we cry out to you. Hear us, Lord. Our lives are filled with distress. Our lives are filled with troubles. Our lives are filled with joys. And so we sing aloud to you our requests for Dottie, for Biz, Jen, <coughs> those who are grieving, those of your church who are gathered and those who are dispersed, Lord, we are one in your spirit. Lord, for those who serve in dangerous places on the front lines of our society and around the world, 
for our nation. For your church, Lord, that we would see our calling is to be the light and to shine into the darkness of this world the true light, which is Jesus Christ, who was before the beginning, but in the beginning became flesh and dwelt and dwells yet among us by your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord, and ask now that you would unite our voices as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning as we explore uh, the last of the psalms that we're going to come to in this summer song series that we have been in, as we uh, come to it this morning um, for a couple of reasons. One, how it divides itself and the length. We're going to read the scripture as we move through it. And we're going to be looking at a number of, of uh, different words in this psalm. The title of the sermon, Summer Songs, Distress. Distress is certainly one of the key words. Another word that we'll see in the psalm is refuge. But the psalm, this, uh, or this word that this psalm begins with is the word praise. And we are to praise God. In fact, we Presbyterians remember our, our catechetical instruction that was drilled into us when we were younger. And that first question, what is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I'll never forget that. Not simply because I memorized it way back when, but because God has burned it into my heart and my mind that that is what I am here for. That is what we are here for, is to praise God. If we're not praising God, we're not living life fully. We may think we're living a good life. We may think that we have much. But until we're praising God, we're not living for what we were designed to do. Luke 1.64 tells us that when Zechariah, Jesus' own uncle, when he named his and Elizabeth's son John, Scripture says immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God, praising God. Acts 2.47 reminds us that the first Christians came together daily and they were always, and I quote scripture again, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day all those who were being saved. Praising God. And we skip forward to the last book in the Bible, Revelations, the 19th chapter, a wonderful chapter in that powerful book. 19.5 gives us a sneak peek, if you will, into heaven. The ultimate picture of praise, really, to witness this extraordinary moment when Jesus, seated at the right hand of His Father in heaven, cries out to all who have been gathered in in that moment to the marriage feast of the bride, as the bridegroom comes to us, the church, the bride cries out, from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. And the voices of heaven, at the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will turn with him and we will praise almighty God. That's what we are designed for. That is what we 
are trained for in our life in this world for that day in heaven when we will see that God is the Holy One who deserves our highest praise. And as we do together here, we praise God together in this moment. Nonetheless, we also, each one, we have to decide. Am I going to add my voice? I think it's uh, one of my young friends here who loves to applaud in church. I love that he loves to praise God for a song offering. He's even applauded my sermons. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, you know, and I think it's great because we should each one say, I'm going to, no matter what everybody else is doing, I'm going to praise God. The Hebrew word for praise is spelled H-A-L-L-E-L. We Southerners have a distinct advantage on pronouncing this correctly, or as far as we know how the Hebrews would have said it. Uh, you got to get your Southern on and say Hallel. Kind of like uh, Randy and Judy Lale's last name in our congregation. They just got a shout out on live streaming there. But uh, Hallel, you can say it with me, Hallel. It, it means praise. Um, Hallel, if you see it spelled, it gives us that great beginning to that praise word that we love to use hallelujah lord thank you the hebrew term for the psalms in fact is translated praises so what we've really been doing this summer we have been reading through the book of praises that's what we do when we sing that's why we call the psalms the hymn book of the bible and and so we are singing this uh, praise to God. And I hope that you're able to glorify God better now because we understand more from this study of why we rightly should give God the praise that is His and His alone. I, I love it that God brings us today to end this series of summer songs with Psalm 118. It's, it's the final of six praise songs that are commonly referred to as the Hallel uh, and capitalized when it's referred that way. It begins at Psalm 113, and 113, this bookend on this end, and 118, the bookend on that side. Both of those psalms begin with the word, the he in the Hebrew, they begin with that word Hallel. And, and the early Jews memorized Psalms 100, and they memorized great parts of the Scripture. When you're out with sheep all day, you've got lots of time to memorize God's Word. And so uh, don't have all the distractions of modern life and phones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they would memorize Psalms 113 to 118, and they would sing this series, this Hallel, uh, tune, they would sing it at all the great festivals, especially the high holy days of Passover. And, and these six psalms describe God's gift of the exodus from Egyptian slavery to the promised land salvation. And, and what the Jews saw and understood as they sang these is that exodus was God's sovereign act of His steadfast love. And it brings us to this, these first four verses that we read of this psalm that describe God's steadfast love. Let's read Hallel 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, it begins. And there it is. It begins literally, Hallel Yahweh, or praise the I am, or thank the Lord. And why is God to be praised? It continues, for He is good. 
For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. And we see in this movement that Israel, the chosen of God, Aaron, the tribe of Aaron, those called to lead, the the spiritual leaders, and all those who fear the Lord, everybody else, come on, let's praise God for his steadfast love endures forever. God is praised for his steadfast covenantal love. Now, steadfast covenantal law can be shortened in Hebrew to a five-letter word, hesed. And it describes God's everlasting and steadfast loving kindness. Everlasting it is from before time to after time, and it never fails. Steadfast, it's always there. And this covenantal mercy that God gives us, His gift to us, is our precious privilege. And we should never, ever forget that. Because in Christ's body, the big C church as we refer to it, God's love never lets us go. We could try to run from it, but God's love holds us. And in fact, wherever we run, wherever we go, other psalms say, if I were to go down to Sheol, to the depths of, of the worst, even there, God is with us. We can never get away from it. And we sing God's praise because He bought us, He bought us out of bondage into freedom. Oh, we get so excited. We Americans especially, we get so excited about freedoms. Freedoms of life, and they're precious. But you know the most that a government can do is defend freedom? Only God gives freedom. Only God can liberate us. And don't miss the repetition in these verses. Why do we keep saying that refrain over and over again? It's there for a reason, this repetition. When you really appreciate somebody, when you really love somebody, do you ever stop saying, thank you, thank you? Jim, I'm sure every time you see Dottie, you thank you for being my wife in some way or another. We do that. Thank you, Brian, for being there, keeping on the screen what I'm, the points of this. When you appreciate something as much as the Lord who has given us very life, we should never stop praising Him, thanking Him for His steadfast love. Which leads us uh, to this journey that's described in in verses 5 through 13. I'm calling it suffering to sanctuary. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. Out of my suffering, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Gave me sanctuary. The Lord is on my side, the psalmist writes. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. Out of my distress. Distress. 
I imagine that every one of us knows it intimately in some form, shape, or another. In fact, if we were to huddle together and talk, we could probably out-distress one another. Oh, you think you're distressed of something. We're talking here strain, difficulties, worries, troubles, true anguish of mind and body, how we feel when we are surrounded on all sides, hemmed in, in every direction. You know, one use of the, if you go to the dictionary, you go to Webster's and you look up the word distress in English, one of the uses there is a transitive verb use, to mar, M-A-R, to mar. It's what a lot of folks are, uh, you know, are uh, doing these days, have been doing for years. They'll have this beautiful piece of furniture, it's all freshly painted or stained or something, and then they'll distress it. They'll mar it to make it look used and, and older. It's, I liken that to, you know, taking a perfectly good piece of furniture like that. You've, I've probably just stepped on every toe in here. But anyway, it, I liken that to going to the store and paying $20, $30 more for a pair of jeans that they've stonewashed and maybe even torn in strategic places because all they've done is just wear out a perfectly good pair of jeans just, and charged you more money for it. That's what distress does. It wears us out. This Hebrew word that is translated into English, distress, means literally narrow gorge. Narrow gorge. Everyone cries out to God when we find ourselves in a tight spot, don't we? That we think there's no way I can climb out of this. As the walls close in, we scream, help me, Jesus! Life gets claustrophobic. And what happens when we get into that tight spot? We finally get to that place where we go, I have nothing left but prayer. And you know what happens? <laughs> when, we, when we sit there and we go, I got nothing left but prayer. And we pray, we suddenly discover that we have everything. Everything. In that moment, we should pray at all times, but prayers out of distress, they disclose the reality of our hearts as no others. Because when we are praying from that tight spot, that narrow gorge, that claustrophobic moment when we think we can't even breathe for the next moment, in that moment, all bravado is gone that we have any standing before God. Our pride has been smashed. We are so humble that we realize all we can do is pray in that moment. And I tell you, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. And you know what? Those prayers out of distress, God hears them. His steadfast, loving kindness hears us and He answers us. The Lord answered me and set me free, the psalmist writes. That's, that's how the English Standard Version makes it. Uh, the Lord answered me and set me free. But let's literally translate that verse, because I think it lets us see the beauty of our God more clearly. ESV says, the Lord answered me. Literally, it is the Lord heard me. And, and ESV says, and set me free. And that's right. ESV, is, it's a great translation. I'm not disputing it. I'm just helping you see. The Lord answered me and set me free is literally the Lord heard me and set me in a large place, a big place. The Jews sang Psalm 118. 
and remembered how their ancestors had lived in the pressure cooker distress of slavery in Egypt and God had pulled them out of it and set them in the large place of the promised land. In fact, it's not surprising that the, the root, uh, the Hebrew language has roots that are common among several words, and so there are relationships between them, and when you're doing word studies, it's helpful to see those, and I was surprised when I saw this week, as, as I was looking at the, the root of this word distress, that it is the same root as the Hebrew word for Egyptians. Now, imagine that. <laughs> I mean, there has there been a nation in the Hebrew history that has caused more distress for Israel in times ancient and times modern than Egypt. Every time they knew the Hebrews, they would forget who they were, and they have oppressed them when they forget who they are, God's chosen. We should celebrate Middle East peace treaties because absolutely, when the root word for distress is the same as the root word for the Egyptian people, uh, those should be amazing occurrences that they ever happen. Out of their distress, the Hebrews walked behind Moses, their shepherd guide who led them to the wide places that God had for them. But the Egyptians put them in a tight spot. Red Sea ahead, Pharaoh's army behind. Here they were, between the proverbial rock and hard place, and God, watch what God did. God made a narrow gorge through the Red Sea. He pushed the waves back, the water on both sides, and the walls of water surrounded them as they walked through that narrow, tight spot, and they found themselves in the wide open spaces of Sinai, and that which had been behind them. The hard spot, Pharaoh's army was under the waters. And then 40 years later, after God had led them through Sinai and had shown them how they needed to depend upon him and in every moment, then God did it again as they came to the Jordan River. He pushed the water back on the north side. It drained away on the south side and God led them through a narrow spot there in the stream marked by the stones that the priests put there. And they entered into the wide green pastures of Cana. And one more thing about verse 5 that matters a great deal for us to not miss. With God, with our God, here... That's why ESV can do that. It's literally hearing, but they can translate it answering. Because with our God, hearing us is the same as answering us. We may not remember the Sinai Exodus that the Jews would always remember as they sang this psalm, but we remember how God has heard us and answered us. Have we, have we not? Haven't you? Can't you remember when sin had you straight-jacketed to death for the years of your life? And then you met the law, and, and all law did was put us in a prison of trying to be self-righteous. I'm going to be good enough for you to love me, Lord. I'm going to obey well enough. I'm going to do the right things well enough. That's what law drives us to. It will drive us crazy. God designed it to drive us to Him. Because as we cry out in our distress under sin, under the law, God hears and He answers and He says, My Son poured out His blood so that you can be free in a wide place. And beloved, that's what refuge of the Lord is. And I will tell you, it beats trusting men and princes any day.
Which leads us now to this third stanza, Strength, Song, and Salvation, verses 14 through 19. And, and you know, God answers us. He does. He hears us and He answers us. And when God answers, because God, yes, we hear Him as a still, small voice, but His answers are always big answers. They're wide answers. The Jews would have immediately, they would always think of King Solomon. King Solomon prayed to God, and God answered Solomon's prayer. Way bigger than Solomon's prayer. Solomon asked for this. God gave him this. And God does so for us even when we don't see it, even when we don't recognize it. And we don't recognize it a lot of times because we don't see God's Word in our mind all the time. Ephesians 3.20 reminds us of this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask for or think about according to the power at work within us. This is the power expressed in Psalm 118 verses 14 and forward. The Lord is my strength and my song He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but He has not. He has not given me over to death. Open To me, the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. The Jews would sing the six songs of the Hallel as they walked up the steep and narrow way that goes from down in the in the Dead Sea in the Great Rift Valley, uh, thousands of feet below sea level. They would walk several thousand feet up in elevation to the Judah Mountains, where Jerusalem sits on top of Mount Zion. I've done that route before, thirty years ago. I'm thankful for a, a arduous walk. And they would finally come up to the Temple Mount and they would climb those steps and their eyes would break forth over the top stones there of the plaza and they would see standing before them the grandeur of the Temple, that holy, sacred place there. And their voices must have burst forth in full chorus. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. And when God graciously shows us the wideness of His mercy, pulls us out of the narrowness of our distress, and lands us in the openness of His wide places, we too must sing with gusto, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Some of you walked in here for the first time in months today to worship. And I don't know about you, but every week when I walk in here, this whole COVID moment has reminded me of how precious it is that we get to. We're not simply let to. We're not, we don't have to. We get to come and praise God. And I thank God for that. Friends, in Jesus Christ, God has opened the gates of righteousness for us which then focuses our eyes on a fourth movement in the psalm, our stone of substance. Jesus is who we sing about. 
as we move on in Psalm 118, this is the gate of the Lord. You want to see the gate of the Lord? Look at Jesus. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I want to substitute Him. Shall enter through Him. I thank You that You have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. We have a favorite hymn of our congregation. It brings in the words of Psalm 118. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. When you're going through a fierce drought or storm, you want to see something marvelous? Then watch the way life changes when Jesus steps into it. Watch what happens when Jesus takes the most distressed, the most sin-wracked soul and washes it clean and makes it righteous and ready and worthy to walk through into the presence of Almighty God. I pray that you've witnessed God do this in your life. And I pray that you're watching God do it in the life of this congregation and in our lives together here. That He is changing us, transforming us. I am one who say, I thank God that He answered my cry for help. Don't you? We're inside, Brian. Outside they blew their horns at that point. I don't take it for a... Somebody just tried to blow their horn. Well, we're not supposed to blow our own horn. But I am thankful that God has transformed me. And boy, it still takes so much of His energy. But salvation success is assured. And that's what we sing here in these last verses of this psalm. This week it just came to me, hey, here's the hallelujah chorus of Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. And I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. There is no more to be said. Because when you've read those verses, you realize God's Word has said it all. But I want us to practice what we preach once again so that as we walk out, we can remember to live as those who have entered through the Jesus gate and into the righteous day of the Lord. So will you join me with these last four lines of this psalm and let's say them in unison. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. Out shall be. I'll turn off my microphone and you hear. You are my God. And I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever.
Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has revealed to us in all its glory and fullness the steadfast love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Go in peace.